Is wood canon in Star Wars? Is wood canon? Respect the wood canon. Wait, as in like wood? Yeah, like wood and wood. Like, yes it is. Is it, though? Think about it. Have you ever seen a tree in Star Wars? Yeah. When? Indoor. Fuck. To another Zero Credits Supplemental Reading. My name is John. And my name is Darth Henry. Thank you, Darth Henry. Uh, as our listeners are well aware, Supplemental Readings are times that we set aside to talk about works that we find to be uh, important, uh, noteworthy, worthy of derision in some cases. And they're always presented with the assumption that you have fully enjoyed the subject we are discussing. So this is spoiler-filled territory. It almost is like it's the worst idea for a podcast episode because most people can't listen to it statistically. Well, yeah, sure, but as long as... I mean, look, Star Wars is one of the biggest franchises in the world. So I think that most of our listeners will have seen it. So they can listen to it. And this will exist in perpetuity until the end of the internet. So most of our listeners will have seen Star Wars at some point in the linear progression of time. And then they can come back and listen to us make stupid noises with our mouths. And we are, of course, talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, a film by Ryan Johnson. Yes, the episode number is 8. 8. Episode 8 of Star Wars. The Last Jedi. A dark middle chapter, if you will. Well, they're all dark middle chapters. Was Attack of the Clones... I'm gonna get off the rails. Was Attack of the Clones a dark middle chapter? Hey, nothing has to be the hero's journey. Okay, well, that didn't answer my question, so I assume the answer is no. Hey, we have to be respectful of storytelling techniques from different cultures, such as George Lucas. (laughs) He's a different culture unto himself. Alright, so just as Force Awakens was sort of... The new hope of this new trilogy. The Last Jedi is going to be compared to Empire Strikes Back. Because it is, of course, the middle chapter of this new trilogy. And that I, I feel like that's a mistake. Because Empire Strikes Back is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. That is true. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is arguably, well... Semi-arguably the best Star Wars movie of all time. You're right. But I, I uh, forgot the Ewok adventures. Yes. They rank way higher than Empire Strike Back. Number anyway. one on the tier list. Uh, so, uh, The Last Jedi came out fairly recently. It has been divisive in both the Star Wars and the critical community. And we've taken it upon ourselves to discuss it in full for your listening pleasure. Yeah, this is a weird one because critics loved it. And fans did not. Yes, critics loved it according to... Rotten Tomatoes, as of the last time I checked, which was maybe a week ago, uh, it was at a 90% critical reception uh, with a 56% from users. 
there's a there's a weird thing going on here lately where critics and and users are not agreeing on what is and what isn't a good movie. However, Rotten Tomatoes, as we both know, is garbage. Well, yeah, of course, any sort of aggregate site is pretty awful. I, I use Metacritic myself. Is that better than Rotten Tomatoes? I think that any review aggregator kind of misses the point of reviews. Because it's essentially trying to objectify subjective measures. Yeah, I can see that. It's trying to put... It's trying to put a lot of views as though, like, there can be a consensus about what is good and what is bad, when really that that can't happen. So I would like to make a point that as of a week ago, uh, when I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and it did have that 90% critical score followed by like a 56% user score, if you take into account another metric, which is the cinema score which is a, an entirely different metric of, of judging how a movie is received. It weighs critical reception and the reception of the audience based on exit interviews at the movie theater. That's interesting. And for the cinema score, critics and audiences rank The Last Jedi with an A. All right, so people leaving the theater think it's good. And this is something I ran into myself because I saw it with a group of co-workers and we all walked out of the theater enjoying it having enjoyed it we thought it was a good movie but then the internet reared its ugly head and suddenly i was having arguments with my co-workers about whether it was a good movie or not i think that it's going to be pretty difficult to continue with our discussion of the last jedi without laying down our opinions on it first Right. Because I don't think it's anything that, that needs to be guessed at. I don't think either of us is really going to change our opinion over the course of this supplemental reading. Uh, but I will defer to you. All right. Well, I will just say that I think that The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie of the new trilogy, which isn't saying much. There's only two. But I'm, I, I think it's way leagues beyond what A New Hope did, which was just represent... A new, not a new hope. I'm sorry. Force Awakens. See, and see, that's I get them. I, they're the same movie except one is bigger. At least the Last Jedi did new things. It wrapped up a bunch of those dumb, stupid mysteries that J.J. Abrams is known to introduce with no intention of solving. Yep. And it left us at a at a very interesting spot, like with with the rebellion reduced to one ship which is, of course, the iconic Millennium Falcon, and just like a handful of people, how on earth are they are they going to claw their way out of that? That's that's interesting to me. So we're, we're, we left at a cool part, plus we got to send Luke off in the most badass Jedi way possible, where they fight with knowledge, not strength. So I'd say, uh, if, if you would allow me to encapsulate your opinion, uh, very good movie, League's better than its predecessor, and uh, well-deserving of its critical praise. Yes, I agree as a fan of Star Wars with your summary. Now, please, tear it apart. Uh, so here's my feelings on The Last Jedi. I have three feelings about The Last Jedi, and one is a summation of the other two. Firstly, I feel like The Last Jedi is, uh, technically speaking, and this is philosophically interesting ground that we might want to cover i feel like it would be difficult to describe the last jedi as a great movie now hear me out when i say great 
I mean, The Last Jedi absolutely has things about it that don't work for everyone in the audience. There, there are some really odd choices in tone. There's some odd choices in how they chose to tell that story. Second opinion. I think that The Last Jedi is the most exciting, exhilarating, and awesome thing to happen to the Star Wars franchise since Empire Strikes Back. All right. I I will get to the third point, uh, which is I think that what The Last Jedi did, in my eyes, is two things. It completely redeemed the trajectory of the new trilogy from a retread into something that is genius that I'd really like to talk about. And also, in being funny and silly and not working in a lot of places and not being, like, quote-unquote great, it is a way more accurate Star Wars movie than we've had since A New Hope. I, I can agree with that that last part. Because a lot of what happened on the internet and the outcry of, like, oh, no, they're, they're ruining Star Wars is people, of course, would compare it to the old trilogy, the original trilogy, mm -hmm. where, and remember, I, back when we sort of glanced over The Last Jedi in the podcast, I said I had something I was saving for a supplemental reading, and that there's a problem with the Star Wars franchise. And the problem is, it's not a great franchise. If you look at each movie individually, they're not great movies on their own. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Uh, I have... Go ahead. Well, I mean, there's a reason for that. It's because there are too many hands. There are too many creative minds. There are too many... Like, yes, George Lucas is present in six of them, but he was not the director of the first three. Mm -hmm. And and if you go back, there's actually a documentary. I forget the name of it. If you go back to the first Star Wars movie, it was almost a disaster until mm -hmm. the editing bay. Yeah. It was saved in the editing bay. Mm -hmm. These movies... It's like creativity is is free-flying. They're, they're cobbled together. Even Rogue One was saved in the editing bay, or saved with reshoots. It's, they're thrown together, they're held together with duct tape, so of course they're going to have some glaring problems. But, you got to remember, when you walk out of that theater, you think you you enjoyed it. You had you, you It was a great ride. That's what Star Wars is. I would like to suppose something to you. Uh, yeah. I'd like to presuppose something to you. And, uh, and just let me know if you're following me on it. So, what you're saying is the Star Wars franchise is something that, as a whole, is considered to be great, uh, life-changing, very meaningful in the landscape. But its track record isn't great. Yeah. And it's almost like we hold it as an idea on a pedestal more than it deserves to be. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Because So it has a track record like the Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait. No, no, no. So the Jedi are held in higher esteem, but they fail. This is, in my actual honest belief, that is 100% what The Last Jedi is saying. Is that the Jedi are a stand-in for Star Wars movies. That's insane. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a history of failure. Yeah, because if you look at everything Star Wars has ever done, it's it probably averages out to be middling. Yeah, at best. There back back in like 2006. So this was, you know, before Force Awakens and after the the prequel trilogy, someone did the math on like box office returns and 
audience reception comparing the Star Wars franchise to the Fast and Furious franchise. And they came to the conclusion that at that time, the Fast the Fast and Furious franchise was the better American like epic saga mm-hmm. compared to all these metrics they laid out. Yeah, and, and so I I, I feel like that kind of ties into what we're saying. That I, I can almost totally agree with that because if you look at Star Wars as a whole as a franchise, as my favorite franchise, kind of on Earth, it is a series of diffuse failures. And from those failures, they learned. Yes, they, and they improve. They they learn from their failures. I, I I absolutely think that what the Last Jedi did. And by the way, to circle back to my least important point about it not being a great movie, there were genuinely parts of that movie where I was like, that totally didn't work for me. I either I didn't find it funny or I didn't find it endearing. It took me out of the scene. Should we unpack that? Should we unpack what moments? That you thought didn't work? Because I'm curious about what they are. We we can talk about that in... Yes. Coming up. Yeah. No, no, no. That's we can talk up. about that right now because oh, right the point now. I was about to make is probably a better later conversation. Okay. So, so if you can kind of do it chronologically, what was the first moment for you that didn't work? Uh, the first thing, and I'm going to immediately take this back, but the first thing... That didn't work for me on site was the opening of the movie. Really, you're um, one of those. No, no, no. Where the where there was this fun conversation happening with uh, Commander Hux between him and Poe Dameron, and it it was just jarring. But then about halfway through, I realized how awesome it is to start a Star Wars movie on a joke that yeah. has never happened. A lot of people complained about this opening scene with, with Poe Dameron pretending that he can't hear General Hux. And to me, that it fell right in line with Harrison Ford or, or Han Solo's answering the console call, you know, everything fine down there. And he goes, yeah, we're fine. H- how are you? Yeah. That's much shorter, sure. But I feel like it was right in the spirit of it. Oh, I, I in, in re-examining my opinion of that, after I left the movie, I totally agree with you. It just seemed like an odd thing because when you go into a Star Wars movie, and this is going to get into a bigger conversation about why I felt disconnected, but like the juxtaposition of humor, you expect a certain amount of like dignity and erudition and stodginess from a Star Wars movie because it's so precious. Like if you if you look at The Force Awakens, it opened with the most like dumb like uh reverential star wars opening ever is you get the title crawl you get super fan service you establish a new villain like you're just you're just tracing over the old star wars at that point and starting this movie starts on a joke and ends with a cutaway to an uninvolved scene two things that star wars has never ever ever done yeah so there's a lot of first for the star wars universe that which fuck yeah have firsts that ending is interesting with the boy and the broom that's another thing that took me out of it that i didn't connect with to me that was too political yeah I, I i could see it as as reading political it just it seemed weird to me it seemed like the character was just like brought back for it just didn't have like a ton of emotional impact for me i guess yeah i, I mean we don't care about those kids I don't think we we were supposed to care about those kids. They aren't given names. Their screen time is minimal. Yes, they help the heroes out, but it doesn't have quite the uh, the coda mm-hmm. as it it felt it should. And the fact that he he 
Force lures the broom to his hand. I get it. Anyone can be a Jedi. I th- I think that's sort of like like what the Last Jedi is sort of about. Is like you know they're not gone. Mm. Maybe the Order has been gone for years, but these kids are still being born. I don't think we're gonna see that kid again. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a one off kind of like you know fight the good fight even though you're oppressed. Yeah, and that's why I mean that, that that's where I get the political vibes from, and to a certain extent. I feel like Star Wars should be separated from that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars has never been apolitical because, you know, the first, the trilogy was about Space Hitler. But, I mean, if if we're going through it chronologically, the the romance, I guess ro- romance kind of thing kind of threw me. Wait, what What specifically? What romance specifically? The, uh, the Rey and uh, Kylo Ren. You read romance into that? The- with the weird beefcake moment with the shirtless thing, I feel like if you were to go through a laundry list of all the things that the typical like person who shits on this movie quotes as being the things they didn't like, most of those took me out of it. Okay. But it, in retrospect, I was able to appreciate those things. Because in the last half of that movie, I looked back on everything that had happened, and my opinion completely shifted. The thing that I like about this movie so much is that everything that happens in the latter half is set up in the first half. Yes. All of the pieces connect. Everything everything is working to get to whatever goal it is, even if it's just Luke removing the dice from the, the Falcon. We see him do that, and that makes us believe that he's there at the end because he gives them to Princess Leia. Yeah. And, of course, then, you know... The thing. The thing happens. The reveal happens, and then... All that. But mm-hmm. everything is set up. Everything is, is like... I feel like this movie was so meticulously crafted, except for Canto Bright, that I couldn't help but marvel at its craft. I I 100% agree with you. I think that if we want to unpack when I say, like, there are mo- great, and yeah. there are moments that took me out of it that didn't work for me, I think the larger conversation we have there is, what was my expectation? What was my expectation that I immediately went, oh, this movie isn't great but it's very very good and it makes me very excited and makes me feel a lot of emotions i feel like that's because i expected it to be a safe movie that offended no one okay and that wouldn't have made me happy either i feel like i was putting the franchise on such a pedestal that nothing could have made me happy and i I feel like that's happening to a lot of people with the last jedi and i i one of the major reasons why it's happening i think is because of the uh the extended universe Mm -hmm. all of the books that came out the 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 sequel trilogy with thrawn and how luke restores a jedi order and becomes this master jedi who's like super powerful and stuff i've never read these books but i've heard people talk about them and I, i i feel like if you go back and watch star wars none of that is there yeah it's if you if you look at the moments that like Take people out of Star Wars. the the things that the things that people are having problems with right now. Uh, the original Star Wars absolutely had those. Yeah, like, it was Star Wars is a blemishes and all kind of deal. It's kind of like yes, the the game the the games are awesome. Yes, I, I I feel like I'm jumping around, but like the games give you all the, all of these Jedi powers that don't exist mm-hmm. in the movies, like force speed and force jumps. Stuff like that. Stuff that we don't see directly, but people are like, oh yeah, he totally force jumped in that scene. Because he jumped higher than 
Yeah. Well, a normal person could. All right, sure. Bigger Luke. Bigger. I I, I, I want to get to Bigger Luke. Okay. But it's just like all of the things that other creative minds put into the Star Wars universe, that's what people expected to see. They, they finally want to see it in canon, on the big screen. But you're never going to see that. Yep. It's not going to happen until they make, like, the Force Unleashed movie. I feel like they had a great, kind of unbelievable moment of that uh, with the, the Force projection across galaxies where they, you know, pile hundreds and hundreds of fucking photon torpedoes or whatever on Luke Skywalker. And he's unscathed. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Number one, how'd he get there? Number two, how'd he survive that? That's that's a... Okay, this is jumping around. But let me explain why that moment is amazing. The, the, the moment where he walks out from all the lasers? The entire that thing. The entire him projecting himself that far. Because it took me out of it for a second. Because I'm like, oh, that's a ridiculous display of power in a movie that so far seems to be about, like, uh, weakness and how how difficult it is to succeed in the face of overwhelming odds. And this seems like, like an odd thing, like a deus ex machina to come in at the end and say, oh, Luke traveled all this way somehow to uh, be the most powerful force user ever. And it was kind of awesome, but when it happened, I'm like, we've never ever seen anything like this. And this is like an episode of Dragon Ball Z. When, at the end, it is revealed that no, it is the most amazing use of the force we've ever seen. Just not how we expected. Yes. And in a way that we can completely appreciate and is a perfect encapsulation of Luke's failure arc. That ends with him doing the greatest thing he's ever done and then disappearing. And I think him force projecting instead of actually going or whatever also encapsulates what the Jedi are about. They were an order of wisdom, of controlling through peace. They weren't warriors. Yeah, we, we expect them to have this big, incredible fight. And that's exactly what Kylo Ren wants. And if you... If you watch it and realize that he's buying time for them and killing himself to do something that could never hurt anyone, amazing. Yeah, it, a lot of people complained about Luke's treatment in this movie. And while I do think the curmudgeon sort of I'm not going to train you thing might have... That, that's I'm still working around sort of accepting that. Because it is hard to see your hero, who, who you've, you know, watched as a child, who was awesome as a child. It's hard to see them grow up, become an adult, and become mired in their failures, and so closed off from everything, including the Force. Like, it's hard to watch, but that's the purpose. Yeah. It's all designed. Exactly. I feel like, number one, Mark Hamill, for what could have been an easy role, put in a ton of work. Luke is a a great POV character for a lot of scenes. He's he's this amazing driving force throughout the whole movie. And he drives the movie by never giving you what you expect or want. Which is exactly how Ray would feel in that situation. You, as an audience member, feel exactly how Ray did because you see Luke Skywalker. And your immediate thought is, yes, awesome. There's going to be a Jedi-Padawan relationship Greatest Jedi who ever lived, training the next greatest Jedi who ever lived. Let's get that. And it's not at all that. I, I mean, I feel like this is more in line with the prequel trilogies than anything else. Because you've got the great potential and young Anakin. And then you've got the, the, the conserved or reserved decision in Qui-Gon to not train him. Yes. And that's sort of an echo 
we're, we're getting an echo of that with Luke and Rey. Although, well, so it's it's also Obi Wan Kenobi who is not training Anakin. Qui Gon dies. Qui Gon didn't want to train him. Oh, okay, gotcha. You're right. right. Okay, yeah, we were talking about a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Qui Gon did not want to train that, him. That, no, I know. I know. Obi Wan eventually trains him yeah. because Qui Gon dies. Yes. But I, I originally Qui Gon was like, "We're not doing what." Yeah, or, come or, on. Or was Qui Gon on board? I don't think he was on board. I'm not sure. It's you know. Does it I don't, matter? Those are the movies Never I've mind. seen the least. Forget it. Forget it. Forget that. I have no point. All right, great. <laughs> uh, so I no Mark Hamill's characterization of Luke Skywalker, uh, regardless if Mark Hamill himself had problems with it at some point, he which did. are he documented. Did. He did. He and I. I feel like it's fair to have that because he's been away for such a long time. Like he, yes, he's been in voice acting, but Luke was the character that made him exactly. And to to get a chance to go back and, and like be Luke again to reclaim that character and like kind of pull yourself out of the the dust because you go back and look maybe five years ago at a picture of Mark Hamill and he had let himself go yeah but Luke gave him purpose again and to, so so like Luke means so much more to Mark Hamill than maybe to anyone else. And I feel as though Mark Hamill actually has the best read on the characterization of Luke Skywalker because he did not like it at first. But if you if you read interviews with him, eventually he seeded and said that he did have problems with Ryan Johnson's characterization of him. But eventually he realized how smart it was to make that Luke's new character because what do you want? A benevolent teacher uh, and a powerful pupil? Because how many times have you seen that? That's... A paraphrase of what he said. Yeah. But essentially, how many times can you see that before it gets boring? It's already become boring. And it's kind of a weird Jedi tradition for the Master to not really... I, I mean, go back and look at Yoda and Luke. Yes. Yeah, Yoda didn't want to train. Well, yeah, Yoda ends up training him to a degree. But, but really, it's kind of like this weird thing where it's like, young Jedis are all about action and swinging and killing the bad guy. And old Jedi's are all about wisdom and imparting their 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 knowledge and lessons. Like even even Yoda comes back to impart another lesson. It's like yeah, the Jedi are a, a tradition of failure, but we're also a, a tradition of teaching. And failure is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. So go out there and teach, idiot. Yep. Uh, yeah, Mark Hamill, such such a good job. He did a great job, and I understand. I understand his initial reaction to not liking how Luke goes out because like once to a degree once you're gone you're gone yeah but to quote luke himself no one's ever really gone and if if you look at no also uh, there's going to be no greater part of the podcast or so so good that it's puppet yoda oh yeah oh please so good so good that it's puppet yoda anything else would have been a travesty yeah uh i that is so 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 the perfect choice for that did unbelievable you... Did your mouth, did your jaw drop when you saw Yoda like mine did? I was very surprised. I did not expect that at all. Yep. It was, it was a very good Yoda. Um, in a sea of bad Yodas, great Yoda. Yeah. And also in maybe the most pivotal scene in the entire movie, which is the burning of the sacred Jedi texts. Which, did you catch it? Did I catch what? Did you catch that Yoda says there's nothing in that tree that, that the young girl Rey doesn't already have? Did she steal the books? She stole the books. Oh, did she? Yes. Is it confirmed in the movie? Twice. When does she have the books? So, 
<laughs> when she first gets into this the... is new information for me. I'm sorry. When she when she first gets into the Millennium Falcon, when she's leaving, she tucks something in a drawer and closes. Oh it. no! Later on in the movie, because they you know that was, that one I will admit was pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie, Finn is looking for a blanket, opens a drawer, books. Oh, you're right. Blanket. Yep, you're right. She saved the text. That's I I totally missed that or I totally forgot that I I really only caught that on the second viewing. Okay, yeah, that's yes, that's an awesome. That, that's awesome. There's so many small details in this movie that 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 you might miss on a first viewing, which of course you do because you're 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 taking in all of this new stuff. I I feel like we're getting kind of out in the weeds. I I don't know if there's a, a structured way. There's no structure. To talk about there's this. no structured way to talk about the movie. There's too much going on. Uh, there's too much going on. But what I'd like to do, real quick, is have a segment in the middle of the supplemental reading. And now it's a it's just something that I specifically wanted to discuss in relation to this movie. And I want to call the segment "Get Him, Ryan Johnson." Now, what? I want. You didn't even pause. You. you... Do you want a little theme song? Yes, okay. So, it's Get Him Ryan Johnson. Get Him Ryan Johnson. Now that's Super Mario. Anyway. So go. Uh, so, Get Him Ryan Johnson is a segment in which we talk about the stupid shit that J.J. Abrams put in The Force Awakens and Ryan Johnson promptly excised. I, I am on board for this because I am tired of these seeming mysteries that... This, the story of J.J. wrapping up The Force Awakens and then saying, I'm gone. I will not help yep. with the next one. Not that he said that, but it's just like he was gone. There were no notes about any of the stuff he set up. So where do you want to start with his mysteries? So uh, where I want to start is the big one. And we could we could probably read into this a little bit. Uh but what is it, Grand Admiral Snoke or whatever the character's name yeah, is? Vice Admiral Snoke. Yeah, whatever his whatever his honorific is. Uh, number one, Snoke was something that I had a huge problem with in the first one. In because he comes because he comes from nowhere. He comes from nowhere with no explanation. The only way you could have any information about that character is to read like Star Wars apocrypha surrounding this. He does have a backstory. He does. It's bad. Is he just like a very powerful force user that hid himself for decades and eons and now he sensed that the Emperor is dead so he's coming out? To the best of my knowledge, he was like a member of a spacefaring guild who was who ha- who is good with the force. He's not like a Sith or anything. He's just like a force-sensitive alien who wants to rebuild the Empire. He was an alien? Yeah, he's not human. Which is why he looks weird. Which, when you see Snoke, you're like, oh, the whole thing about why he looks weird is he's a human that got messed up. What's his story? Snoke is a garbage character where they brought in poor Andy Serkis to play him for no reason. His writing was garbage. He did nothing. I hate. I hated Snoke with a fiery passion, and he is better off cut in half. I will say, I was extremely disappointed that the dot finally connected, and that Snoke is not, in fact, 40 feet tall. Yeah. And it was just a huge hologram. He's just a person. That was perhaps the biggest disappointment of this movie for me, because I thought they were dealing with, like, this 
huge ancient like god thing. Yeah, that that's the impression you get. Like 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 bigger than Thanos, you know, in size. Mm-hmm. But instead he was just a gross snake man. Yeah, he's just a gross weirdo who gets cut in half. Also, I real quick, I thought it I feel like maybe that scene would have been better if they didn't telegraph that he was going to get cut in half so much. I feel like that was that maybe didn't super work for me, but all you have to do, really, the only thing you have to do is cut out the wiggle. Yeah, cut out the lightsaber wiggle, and that that's scene it. becomes instantly better. Uh, that scene becomes instant classic. Although my jaw dropped then too, because I was like, "Oh shit, what are they gonna do now? Who's the big bad?" And then, which is the best? Okay, I okay, Ryan Johnson, fuck him up or whatever. <laughs> Back, go get him. <laughs> go get him, Ryan Johnson. Uh, second thing. Uh, Ray's parents. There's a lot of ambiguity around Ray's parents. I know Ryan Johnson has come out and said, in that moment, as Adam Driver, not sorry, as Kylo Ren is saying that they're nothing, he 100% believes that. Yes. And Ray, in turn, is it, Ray is the one who says first that they were nothing, and then he jumps on. Mm-hmm. So there is there there is room there. I for hopefully, hundred percent, hope that that is the truth, and that Ray comes from nothing. That would be awesome because as much as the Skywalkers rule the entire universe, you know they're they're involved in like the entirety of what's happened in the galaxy for the past, let's say fifty years. Mm-hmm. It would be awesome for another person to come in. Another, so you, it, that's the show, like, there's less importance on blood. Yeah, I, I think that if you tie in, like, the thing that happened after the credits, like, anyone can be a Jedi, if if you make Ray's parents, like, meaningful characters, then what are you doing? You're, you're just saying that you have to be related to be somebody, but I think the, the purpose of Ray's character is to show, well, anybody can, like, it doesn't matter your background, you can, anybody can be a thing. Yeah, nobody's from nowhere except Jakku, because that's pretty much nowhere. That's a great line. It's it's so good. Uh, so those two things really taken care of in in the same breath. Yeah. What was there? Uh, there wasn't any other mystery, right? That was the only two. What other mysteries did he set up? I, I feel like those are the two biggest ones for me. Honestly, we can exit this ridiculous segment. No, it was a good. Se- no, honestly, it was a good segment because I hated all of the weird mysteries or whatever. Look, I get that J.J. Abrams, as a writer and a director, is he's a black box talent. Most of the reason why you are engaged with his work is solving mysteries that were created for no reason. But the thing is, like, you can't just create a mystery in the first work, knowing that there's two more works, and offer no guidance yep that, that that's like even if it was just here's what i thought i this is where i was going even if it was just that and like with a little note feel free to 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 disregard yeah the fact that ryan johnson walked in with a blank slate for the sequel i feel like jj dropped a ball ballsy of ryan johnson to be like ah we don't need this anymore well, th- that's what i would Cut. do like yeah because if if you are uh, an eminent talent, as Ryan Johnson is, I like pretty much everything Ryan Johnson's ever made. Name one other thing he's done. Brick. Name another one. Uh, he did Ozymandias on the Fly, the two best episodes of Breaking Bad. Oh. I think he also did Looper. Ozymandias is probably the best episode of, of Bre- television. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> True. True. 
Oh, man. All right, fine. Fine. Yeah. Ryan Johnson does good work. Did he write that, too? He wrote and directed those those episodes? Or was That's it... a great question. I mean, Vince Gilligan. What's his name? Vince Gilligan? I think he was just the director. Okay. Well, he can direct. Yeah. Thank God he was directing this one. Uh, he but... also wrote it. Did he? No. He did not, I don't think. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, great job cutting that stuff out. And then, I mean... Canto Bite. Canto Bite. Can we talk about... Okay. Canto Bite's gotta be the lowest point of the movie. Here's a genuine, serious criticism of The Last Jedi. Seriously overlong. Too long. Seriously too long. And you know how you could cut that way down? Cut the whole Canto Bite part out. I- I've heard... I've heard as much said and, and i've seen it twice and i that, that's a legitimate sort of fact that the movie is better the second time you see it and you skip canto bite but but still when you get to canto bite everything slows down and i get why they need the code breaker and i don't know why maz is in a hologram and it's you can see her background and whereas all other holograms are just the face that you're talking to yep and i don't get why they they can't get the it all felt like I know people said like humor was out of place. The whole Cantobite thing feels like a Scooby Doo episode. It all came out of pretty much nowhere. Like it's I I don't know if Ryan Johnson just like owed someone a favor and let them wrote write and direct like a B plot to the movie. But Cantobite was bad. Cantobite. Okay, my problems with Cantobite from the beginning. Harebrained premise. Uh, ridiculous, they have a hologram conversation where they have to find a code breaker on Cantobite, which never gets resolved. Ever gets resolved. What do you mean they find a code breaker? Yeah, but we never learn what that dude's deal is. Oh. The guy with the... The plume? Yeah. Oh, he was just a good code breaker. Yeah, but we never see what that dude... So we get this switcheroo where you had Benicio Del Toro, whose character, pretty good. I See, like, I really liked Benicio Del Toro and his character... And then, like, all the things he does and the stutter, but he should still be removed for the movie. Yeah, a great character does not redeem a, a dumb harebrained plot. Okay, I liked Benicio Del Toro a lot. His character, as far as, like, brand new Star Wars characters, he was, like, gutsy because they had a choice to give him, like, a speech impediment. He was very, like, morally gray or morally non-existent. Uh, he had that weird aside where he's like the the resistance buys guns too. I'm like I feel I feel like that's not as a big of like an emotionally conflicting payoff as this thing needs to warrant existing. I feel like he was supposed to like complicate Finn's worldview a little bit because you know Finn of course comes from the first order like brainwashing, learns about the rebels and and or the the resistance joins them, sees their worldview, and never quite cons- never gets exposure to people who are not involved. Yep. And so I, I think that was supposed to be it, but then not 30 minutes later, we got Finn risking his life, so obviously the worldview exposure didn't do anything? Yeah, clearly it, it didn't have that much effect on... Rose is a great character. I like Rose a lot. I like Rose except for... Sometimes I just want to... What is it? Take my... Put my fist... Through this giant, beautiful, dumb town, or whatever she said. There's that line, unpopular opinion. All right. Or maybe, I don't know. I would have, I as much as I like everything that came after it, mm-hmm. I would have loved if Finn just would have gone out and, like, taken out the battering ram cannon and just sacrificed himself. It would have been 
such a redeeming moment to come full circle to go from a person who always runs to, to a person who's ready to die for a cause, you would have need to justify it a little bit beforehand. Yeah, if, if the movie that shipped had that happen, that would be weird. Yeah. If if the movie that I saw had that moment, if that moment was more earned, uh, if there was more, like, pathos associated with it, sure. That's true. Like, like I said, you need to build up to that beforehand, so and that doesn't happen, so... And I also feel like I maybe would have stormed out of the theater if they went through that whole dumb, stupid Cantabite thing, only to have the plan fail, and then they went through the, through all that just to have Finn die, probably I would have been pretty upset. Well, then Rose should have died. Yeah, go for it. Because I thought Rose died and I was happy, and then I was it was brought to my attention that she was clearly still, alive. Still clearly alive. It's a great line. We don't... We're not going to win this war by fighting those we hate, but saving those we love. Great line. But then the kiss, not earned in any way. And, and Finn's face shows that it wasn't earned in any way. Yeah, I, I, I like I like that moment because it was, once again, classic Ryan Johnson. He took like a, a super vulnerable, weird moment that wasn't romantic. Uh, I mean, it was sweet, but it wasn't romantic. But she goes to kiss him, and the huge thing that's been building up for the last like five to eight minutes in the movie that you've been wanting to see happens, happens in the background oh. of that. Oh, the giant laser goes off. Yeah, because it's it's making a clear statement. This is the important thing that's happening. The giant laser that's been charging to blast all through the rebel base, that's an afterthought to this real moment of human affection, which is what that whole speech is about. But it's a one-sided. Yeah. Because Finn and Rey. But I mean, they're, when she's... Because Finn and Rey. Yeah. Yeah, Finn and Poe Dameron. No. What? Finn and... Okay, that sure it can be an open relationship, but Finn, Finn, Finn and Ray. Yeah, Finn and Adam Driver. No, they haven't met. You're right. <laughs> Wait, they have. They, Don't say them right. They, they fought with lightsabers. They can't love. <laughs> uh, but no, I I like that moment because it was it was silly and it was human and it was affectionate and th- he made the choice to be like, nah, this is the this is the B plot to this weird awkward kiss is the giant explosion cannon. That's cool and all, but small note about the cannon, they could have said it was just going to punch a a tiny hole in it and it wasn't going to destroy the entire barrier. They could have said, like, it's going to be bad, but not as bad as the giant cannon building up. Yeah. And, and like, saying, oh, yeah, it's Death Star tech. I'm like, shit, they're all dead. (laughs) It's going to blow up the planet. It's going to punch a tiny hole that one person can walk out of (laughs) <laughs> yeah little, little disclaimer before that would have it, been great it wasn't as much of a canon as maybe it should have been uh and that that brings me to another point i would like to bring up yeah man ryan johnson knows how to make a scene cool all right what specifically are you talking about the, the dog races on canto <laughs> i'm not talking about the dog races on canto bite uh, also, to conclude that previous thing we're talking about, uh, fuck Canto Bite, cut it out of the movie. Cut it out the movie. It's... Put, give Bonicio del Toro his own movie and Star Wars. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's fine. But cut out Canto Bite. Uh, but I mean, also the Canto Bite thing ending on a plot that doesn't succeed, awesome. Okay, that's cool. It's awesome that that plot doesn't succeed and General Holdo, or no. Yes. Commander... No, Vice Admiral. Vice Admiral Holdo. It's it's great that her character turns around, proves to be hyper competent, 
uh, proves to be, which there was a little bit of a plot contrivance to prove that she's com- that she's competent. Uh, but then, just like a woman, whoa, to not explain your plan <laughs> to anyone around you and just hope. I'm just kidding. That that's yeah. a one hundred percent a joke. Uh, but it, it was a bit of a contrivance to make her right. But if you were viewing the plot through the eyes of Poe Dameron and you only saw the conversations he saw as someone who was not entitled to those conversations, it would seem unfair the way she was treating people. Yeah, it's one of those things where the audience is tied to Poe Dameron because he's he's the character we've seen before. This Vice Admiral Aldo we've never seen before. and But even we're filmed, like the way it's filmed is we're from his perspective. Yep. He's the audience cipher in all of his scenes. And and when he's cast out, so is the audience. So we don't get to hear Holdo saying, okay, we're going to use stealth technology and uh, load up the shuttles because they're not scanning for shuttles. Yep. Because that's how scanners work in Star Wars. Uh, so And then we're, there's a mining planet covered in salt. Just so you know, it's salt. Yeah. Not snow, it's salt. Salt, white salt. White not, salt. Not hoth, salt. Yeah, it's, it's even called salt. Yeah. <laughs> salt planet and uh, we're gonna, just gonna sneak away and we're not telling Poe because he's gonna yell it into <laughs> BB-8 and then some asshole Benicio Del Toro is gonna overhear it and sell us out <laughs> and I know all this because I'm psychic I know that didn't come with the movie <laughs> but the purple hair in Star Wars it means you're psychic uh, <laughs> but if we're talking about the movie not giving fans or not giving like People who wanted power creep what they wanted by not putting huge, obvious uses of Jedi power. They did give the fans one thing that Star Wars fans have wanted since the first one. What happens when you crash into something at uh, light speed? And it showed us. And it showed us in one of the most visually striking, amazing... Like, when when she hits light speed and hits Snoke's ship... It was such an awesome choice to have the sound completely drop out and make it look like a, a beautiful matte painting. I told my dad, because I watched it, I, the second time I saw it, I saw it with him. And I said, that scene where the ship cuts through the other ship at light speed is worth, like, that scene alone is worth seeing the movie again. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. But it did spark some of the most interesting conversations. Oh, uh, now that we know that, why don't they just mass-produce empty ships and throw them into these giant cruisers? Yeah, I, I was thinking, I'm like, why isn't there like a, like a kamikaze force that just pilots things at light speed? Can, can we can we somehow produce a railgun that just sh- shoots ships at light speed out of it? But the answer is that's way too expensive there's no way they can do that again that that was a moment of sacrifice we're not going to see that again and i i read a, a reasonably well-reasoned fan argument that for it to be able to do that it would have had to have its shields active so it didn't automatically disintegrate and you need a crew and a significant amount of fuel to keep shields active so it would be impossible to do that oh what happened in the movie no it would be impossible to do that at a mass-produced scale because like if they were running short on fuel, on fuel, but they had shields up, and the crew had just evacuated. So it makes sense that she would be able to do that. All of the stars aligned in yes. the war for that to happen. The most important thing is that it happened. <laughs> yeah. And it was great. That's a great scene. 
but but such a misstep. I I know they didn't know what was going to happen in real life. Yes, but there is a scene. It's one of those things where you walk in the movie. You've got outside knowledge. You know, rest in peace, Carrie Fish Fisher. She's gone. So you're waiting for them to kill her off. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. <laughs> yep. But there's a moment toward the end where it could have happened, and you go, whoops. Yeah, yeah. you're like, <laughs> missed. I guess it's... Missed a- it by that much. Yeah. Uh, I also will say, on that note, the last conversation between Luke and Leia straight up made me cry in the movie theater. I actually cr- Not like a lot, but I did. I know what you're going to say, John. What? I changed my hair. Oh, you're... Oh, no. So sad. No one's ever really gone. And I feel like that was Luke talking to us. In a weird way, and I know that this probably isn't going to come out as being true, uh, but I feel like that scene was filmed differently, or they they chose different takes for a final filming, and then it was partic- it was it was specifically edited and shots chosen to make it a sentimental send-off for Carrie Fisher. I feel like the version we ended up getting was a was a was in a post Carrie Fisher world, and they they tried to make it like a if true. It's, if it's gonna be the last scene they have together, they're gonna make it count. All right, I, I can I could see that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, was definitely surprised that uh, that right. Leia survived to the end of the movie. Me too. But I was pleased. Me too. Well, I don't know what they're going to do for the third one. Yeah, I just didn't want there to be a, a contrivance with her just getting killed at the end where it's like, oh no, it's like, oh, <laughs> she bummer. Trips, trips and falls. It's and like, then... I, I just don't want like a sitcom death to happen. I do have to ask. Yes. Because a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about this. Uh-huh. What did you think of Leia force pulling herself back to the ship? Oh, absolutely didn't work for me. Was I... it the way it was shot? Uh, where she literally looks like Superman? It was... That was part of it. Uh, I feel like it kind of... Like, okay, I get it. She's a Skywalker and is strong with the Force. Uh, but it was... I don't know. I was happy that it happened because I was like, oh, so she was just going to die within the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie? And then she didn't. Yeah. And that's a good good decision. But then, uh, I I think if you cut the distance by, like, three-fourths... So that she's not flying yeah. through space, but like she's just kind of like right there, mm-hmm. and so like the distance is not as strong. I feel like it's better. Yeah, probably. Uh, that that's one of the things that continues not to work for me. But I mean, it served the story, and about halfway through the movie, I'd completely forgotten it had happened until you got on the line, and everyone was like, "Puh." Yeah, I don't generally go to puh communities. Oh, I, it doesn't matter. They're everywhere. I, even on Facebook. I mean, Jesus. Even our friends. Our friends be, especially. Puh sometimes. I, it, was, it was a weird time on the internet for a good two weeks. Yeah, after it came out, I was like, man, my friends have a lot of diverse opinions about this. And after I saw the movie, I'm like, man, half my friends are wrong. Because it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. See, it's still that word great. I think, okay, if I were to judge The Last Jedi as I would judge any movie, regardless of franchise, I would say The Last Jedi is a great, great movie. A great? Two, two greats? Two greats. Two greats movie. But I, I think it's just because it's been so bred into me ideologically to to conflate the idea of a great movie being a safe movie. Oh, okay. That I can't, like, when, when I try to, like, categorize it 
as a great movie, period, it doesn't feel like I'm describing it correctly. Gotcha. It's weird. It's. A, I think it's one of those weird instances where people didn't expect to see a good movie. Yeah. And then they got a good movie, and so they, they didn't know what to do with it, so they called it a bad movie. Yes. But it was also a great I, movie. It's got, I mean, it's got problems, of course. Canto Bite, Super Leia. Yeah, that's what people just aren't... People aren't anticipating a Star Wars movie with problems. Darth BB-8 not getting more screen time. Darth BB-8. Darth Force. Yeah, Darth BB-8. Anti-BB-8. Okay. So, so, so the, those three problems, and then that's it. Why, why negative eight? Why, why negative? Why, why negative eight? What is the why, why? Ne- oh, because why is the opposite of B and the negatives are opposite of positives. Yeah. Why, why negative eight? Okay, that's way, that's clever. <laughs> that's, I mean, I was just calling them Darth BB-8. But those three problems and that's it. Yeah, there definitely needs to be more Darth BB-8. <laughs> After I saw... I anticipated them fighting. I anticipated like a big <laughs> climactic fight. I, f- I feel like that's going to be the climax. It has to be. It's got, I mean, Because if BB-8 could survive that... <laughs> yeah. The, the ship going through the other ship, I realized my auditory cue was not <laughs> as helpful to the podcast. You know, if, if he could survive the... <laughs> and you know, the wow, wow. Then Darth B, or Y negative 8, YY negative 8, also could survive. And really, I feel like his redemption will be the key <laughs> to the entire everything. I feel like once YY negative 8 comes around, we will understand the implications of intertextuality in franchise. And then with that, the death of the franchise movie, and also the death of the Star Wars franchise. And then shortly after, the death of the universe. <laughs> yes. Because once Star Wars is over, it's all over. And then, immediately following the death of the universe, the death of YY Negative 8, yes. who survives the death of the universe. Because he, if he can survive, <laughs> he can survive the heat death of the universe. Absolutely. We have not talked about individual performances or moments we liked, and we're already... People saw the movie, Henry. Well, no, I because I I hear a lot of different opinions. Do you think Adam Driver was good in the movie? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, here's my feelings on Adam Driver. Do you feel like Kylo Ren's the strongest character in the series? No. Oh. I don't really. Oh, never mind. Maybe from the previous one I would have felt that way, uh, because there weren't a lot. But I think Kylo Ren is a great character. I I was reading an interesting take on it as to why Kylo Ren's so interesting, as to why the First Order is a great uh, evil organization. If you look at the original trilogy, like I said, if we're interested in keeping Star Wars apolitical, then we have to ignore the fact that Darth Vader and the Empire were basically space Nazis. Why do you keep saying that? Uh, Because they... Who did they genocide? The Jedi. Oh. Yeah, the, the Jedi and anyone who was... Uh, yeah. You know, the J-E-D-I. And it is, it, it's now been twice referred to as a religion over the course of the entire yeah, series. it was a religious genocide. Anyway. It's popped my knee. Uh, so, why the First Order is so interesting is if you look at the originals as, like, space Nazis, that's a gross oversimplification of both the real-world, like, Nazis <laughs> and also the Star Wars fiction. It doesn't do great service to either one. But the First Order is a scared kid with memorabilia of this previous organization, and 
he and like an elderly benefactor are trying to reignite the fire of the empire the first order is essentially neo-nazis okay and if you look at the force awakens which is uh not great not a great movie but if you look at the force awakens and you say hey it had a lot of similarities the the new star killer base too similar to the death star of course it is because they're writing empire fan fiction they're recreating the empire the first order is writing empire fan fiction yeah the, the first order is trying to recreate the empire like step in step goose step in goose step oh god and if you look at kylo ren not as being an analog for darth vader but as a kid with dangerous ideas and a lot of power and a lot of money and a a lot of money who is actively trying to live up to the ideals of a genocidal political movement First Order is way scarier. Do, do you feel like he sort of gets away from what the First Order wants to do by, by a certain point in the movie? By the end of this movie, I feel like the the ethos of the First Order no longer coincides with what he wants. He and wants, he says it. Yeah, he wants to destroy the past, basically. For, form a new... A, a, a future uninfluenced by anyone who came before. He wants the Sith to die... He wants the First Order to die, the Resistance and the Jedi to die. He wants everyone dead so that he and Rey can run off into the sunset. If you if you look at where the two ideologies end up at the end of that movie, they are two different approaches to the same thing. Because the Jedi and Rey are marching forward with the belief that the Jedi aren't precious, that... Uh, the light side dark side dichotomy is not something that needs to be respected anymore necessarily and that the past isn't something to worship and that you should instead of embracing the past you should accept it learn from it move on and build something bigger and better than it was before what kylo ren ends up believing and uh seemingly everyone under his command is erase the past Kill it. Burn it. It doesn't matter. They are, They both kind of want the same thing. They want to make something new out of something that gave birth to them. But they want to do it in different ways. And that's what makes the conflict interesting. Because at the end of the movie, The Last Jedi is, at its core, a debate about what to do with intertextual media. With media that refers back to itself. And it makes a pretty clear statement that it's bad, that intertextuality is something that does not build new things, that it's something that only breeds enmity and it breeds unnecessary reverence for things that are failures. And that's why the same T-Rex is saving humans again in this new Lost World, Jurassic World sequel that's coming out this year. Yeah. And not something wholly original. Yep. Yeah, intertextuality is garbage. Intertextuality makes nothing new. And I feel like right at the end, well, kind of right in the middle, the the Last Jedi comes out and says, yeah, intertextuality is a plague. A plague that, I mean, if you look at what intertextuality did, if you look at, like, referential ideology, then referential ideology made the First Order. Referential ideology made the Resistance weak because the Resistance has been waiting for the Jedi to save them. That's right. They want a savior. Or a legend, and what they get is that the legend was never a legend. It was a story. And they pass down Luke's lightsaber as if it's like this this great 
uh, like holy grail that will that will protect them and will get passed on to the right people. And it literally and it gets ripped apart. Yep. It gets ripped apart. Oh my god. I just remembered another a, another mystery that JJ sort of put forth. And it was with the lightsaber and why it called out to Ray and Maz goes, Who is that girl or whatever and mm-hmm. who cares? But but all that you're saying is true. This whole movie is saying stop being self refer self referential, start building new. Which is something that Star Wars has needed to say for decades. Yeah. We have an entire prequel trilogy that's nothing but self-references. Yeah, we have we have an entire prequel trilogy that's only meaningful contribution to telling that story is connections to that story. Yeah. It's it's not it's not improving that story or building on it. It's just making allusions to it and people paid millions of dollars to see it. Well, yeah uh, revenge of the sith is still a really great movie yes i agree so we still need that one but the other two can just be thrown away yeah the other put them right in the trash put them right in kill, the trash. kill them if you have to kill them if you, well that's from the movie kill it if you have to uh but yeah I, I feel like maybe the the best thing that movie says is there is no disagreement both the protagonist and the antagonist are in a total agreement with what has to happen to unnecessary reverence. And, and it is get rid of it. Get rid of it. And don't make Ready Player One. Yes, don't make a, a pile of referential intertextual garbage. Although it does sort of... The frame is at least sort of original. But it's then, got a Gundam in it. It's got the Iron Giant in it. <laughs> like the background, the premise, I guess has some originality, but then all of the puzzle pieces are Battletoads. Yes, all of the puzzle pieces are Battletoads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's... That's a great point. I, I That's not something I saw. Like, I, I got what... I got that they were sort of both on the same side, and so there was, like, reason enough for both of them to believe the other would turn. Mm-hmm. But it's because they both agree that they need to move forward and not rely on the past, but one wants to destroy it, and the other one sort of just... Wants it to have existed, yeah. but move forward from it. One one is an enemy of the past. The way you might want to think about it, one is embrace the past, the other is erase the past. And that rhymes, so... It that's must what be you should, true. That's what, no, that's what you should use on your AP English Lit <laughs> test when this inevitably enters the literary canon. Yes, which it will, eventually. Uh-oh. But see that—that's the sort of thing that we, we we set out to do with these supplemental readings is talk about these topics, like what is this piece about? Mm. Well, like with a capital A, you know, like on on the sort of like a literary level, and we sort of moved away from that in, in favor of just reviewing the piece. I I absolutely agree. I think we got into a weird thing where we just started to talk about like individual performances and whether we liked it or not. It's not important whether we liked it. It's not important, like, whether we want to buy a rent to gotta have it or whatever. Yeah. Like, the, the most important thing is that the thing that we liked is important enough that it has, like, meat. It has an actual thing that's worth considering, not just a thing that's worth consuming. And so much of our media today is all flash in the pan. There's no substance there to hold on to. I think The Last Jedi is the most substantial movie I've seen in a long time. Well, not that long, because you saw three billboards outside of... Yeah, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is a substantial movie. 
I I believe that The Last Jedi says more important things than Three Billboards does. Even though I genuinely think Three Billboards is a better movie than The Last Jedi. I mean, duh. Three Billboards is yeah. great. I'm, I'm saying, like, I would agree with the statement that this is one of the first franchise movies in a long time that has substance to it that's not just, here's what happens next. Yeah. It also has, it, it's commenting on itself. Mm-hmm. And franchises like it, that it's okay to acknowledge the past. It's okay to acknowledge the teachings of the Jedi, but you don't rely on the Jedi to save you, or you don't rely on being a master Jedi to do something, go forward and do something new. In that same vein, we don't need to rely on the same T-Rex and all the Jurassic World movies, even though you don't need Jeff Goldblum to sell your movie, and if you're going to use him, make it more than just a cameo appearance. Because that's what's happening. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, he needs the bigger paycheck. Well, yeah. He, de- I, he deserves it because he's genuinely a great actor. I mean, he does deserve it. But what I'm saying is, like, acknowledge the past and build forward. Stop dredging up the past. And and that might be hard to see right now with all the Marvel movies because it seems like that's what they're doing. But they're always building forward. Yeah. It's, it's always what we want to try to avoid is when we continue to make intertextual content, we're just building like ablative, like narrative armor on top of a base that is unchanging. Yeah. Because if you look at like the Iron Man movies, the first Iron Man movie genuinely actually kind of had something it was saying a little bit. It's largely a kid's movie. But it had a couple interesting things it was saying about the military industrial complex. And how, how it's awful. Yeah. And if, if you, like, build on that, you eventually end up with a character that means nothing, says nothing, there's nothing to talk about. And the second one, there was a Russian guy with whips. Yeah, Russian guy with whips. But, like... And the third one, it was Christmas. Maybe the best thing that Ryan Johnson did by making a Star Wars movie is make a Star Wars movie that tries its level best, honest, actual effort to kill Star Wars. <laughs> that's not what he was trying to no, do. No, no, that, I mean, to kill the idea of the Star Wars franchise being this big, sacrosanct, great, self-referential thing, Ryan Johnson could have been trying to kill it. Also, real quick, there's seriously not going to be space to talk about this in the podcast. Do not refer to it. I fucking love those space nun lizards so much, and everyone hated them. Everyone hated those space nun lizards, and they were my favorite part. Uh, he said not to comment. Anyway. But, but I will say, I, I have no strong feelings either oh, way so about this, this fish lizard nun like, people. I will say, if you have to do CGI over puffins because you can't remove them, that's great. Leave them out of the important chase scene with the Millennium Falcon on the salt planet. That's all I want to say. Oh, the porgs and the ice foxes? I feel Not like... The, no, no, no. The ice foxes serve a purpose. They, the porg, the one porg that's still on board the Millennium Falcon, that's yelling for... Yeah. Too much. Too much, my friend. Here's what happened. Uh, Disney owns this now. And what happens is they send it to the editing bay and there's one person at Disney whose job it is to sit in front of a big button and the button says mascot... And whenever he becomes bored or uninterested, he slaps the mascot button as hard as he can and just inserts a mascot into the scene. How many times did he push that button during this movie? Uh, it's more than ten. Yeah, it's a bunch. It's, 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 the crystal foxes serve a purpose and I love them. They're okay. Stupid dog creatures? How? Horses? No. Porgs? Fish nuns? 
serve a purpose. They're okay. The fish nuns tell a story. Pretend that you just destroyed my cart full of what looked like horns and things. <laughs> That's a great... Pretend you just destroyed my cart. I destroyed your cart. <laughs> it's a great moment when yeah. they slowly look up and the camera pans with them and then there's Ray looking down like... Oh, God. And it's it's great when you've never seen those things before, ever, and you have this really tense moment between Ray and Kylo Ren, and then it cuts back. Also, I love how they filmed that. Oh, the, the bridge? The, 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 br- the bridge between reals. There was no, like, CGI. It was just shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot. And, and no sound. Yeah. That and, was very important. And, and no sound. And the closer people got to the the camera, they had this weird, like, ripple water effect. Great way to communicate that. But also, when you come out of that extremely serious scene, and there's just those, like, weird fish lizard nuns, like... <laughs> great. Great. Love fish nuns. I feel like we were talking about something. We were. We were talking about Iron Man garbage. <laughs> we were talking about... Oh, no, he wasn't trying to kill the Star Wars universe. He was trying to cut it off. Yes. And he did. He did. Maybe. I don't know. Is he in charge of the next one? No. He should be. J.J. is coming back. No! Here's what happened. Okay. They lined up a third director. Yeah. His movie came out. In the meantime, it was called The Book of Henry. Oh, no. It was so bad he got fired. Yeah, okay. We talked about that. And so J.J.'s coming back. Oh, there was a headline. Can we make a petition? <laughs> Not anymore. They got... they. Well, there are other sites for making petitions, but as far as White House petitions go, they removed that site. Oh. No comment on that. Uh, there was a headline that came out when the news came out that said, Daisy, Daisy Ridley cried when she heard J.J. was coming back. That can be interpreted <laughs> in two different ways. Yes, it, it absolutely can. I know which way I read it. Uh, are you looking forward to the opening scene of uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Force Awakening? And instantly, what was the last shot? That kid with the broom? The kid with the it's broom. It's the kid with the broom that zooms out and it was all a snow globe that Snoke was holding the whole time? Some, are some, you fucking excited for that? Fucking... No, no. So someone, someone did this. Uh, they did a mock-up of like, ooh, leak from the opening crawler from Episode Nine. It says, Episode Nine, Another Jedi... <laughs> and the first line, you know, the first sentence is always a short sentence. Yeah. it's It reads, it was all a dream. <laughs> the First Order is stronger than ever. Admiral Snoke is building an even bigger, and then it's, yeah. it's cut off. Yep. No, yeah, that, I, I could I, That really bums me out. I really wish we hadn't uh, discovered this bummer for me. I, I have high hopes. This is what's going to happen. I did not have any expectations walking into episode 8. I now have expectations walking into episode 9, and so I will not like 9. It's going to be reverse. Critics will hate 9. Fans will love 9. I will hate 9. Yeah. And we're going to be left with a bunch of open-ended, stupid red-arm C-3PO, so J.J. can write a stupid comic about why that exists, even though it doesn't, wasn't even for the full movie, at the last scene that you see C-3PO, he's got a golden arm again. It's like it didn't even happen. It's stupid. Mm. You know what's interesting? It's almost like we're going to have three movies where the first one has a mixed critical and audience reception. The second one's the really second great. The second one has a, has a mixed reception but is actually great. 
And the, uh, third, and the one... third one is just panned and is the worst one. It's weird. We're recreating the original trilogy. Uh, also, did you know that fans and critics had a pretty uh, mixed... Not critic. I, I don't know. Critics hated Empire Strikes Back. Audiences were uh, lukewarm on it. Yeah, but... lukewarm. Ah, bigger lukewarm. But with the with the advantage of time and hindsight, we see that it was the best one. Empire, yeah. If you do a tier list and Empire Strikes Back is not on the top of your tier list, you need to do a new tier list. Exactly. Not uh, that tier list actually accomplish anything because they don't. So yeah, uh, Ewok Adventures. Ewok Adventures. So you, Henry, may have believed that I would have hated this movie. Uh, just based on what we talked about. Based on how you introed your opinion. Uh, but, yes. Through talking about it. I've, I've not, I've never been more excited about Star Wars than I am right now. See, regardless of whether it was a good movie or not, you're excited I mean, for the next movie. Yeah, and just to be clear, it was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was a very, very good movie. It was a great, great movie that made me feel all of the emotions. Regardless of your problems with the movie, yes. you're excited for the next one because, like, if you didn't like it, you're, you're, you're looking forward to how they can redeem themselves in your eyes. If you did like it, you're excited because of where the story left off. Uh, but I'm in a different boat where I really like the movie, but I'm very much not excited for the new one. Well... I'm very much... Oh boy, I really don't like J.J. Abrams, Henry. Well, you can at least look forward to seeing Luke again. Yay, Luke! What? Oh, because he's coming... Because J.J. Abrams is coming back, so Luke's coming back. Well, there's that, but also he, he tells Rey, when he agrees to train her, that he's going to teach her three lessons. He only teaches her... Two. Oh, the final lesson. The final lesson. He will come back as a Jedi ghost. A Jedi ghost. I love me some Jedi ghosts. There's a good way to work some cameos into your movie. There we go. Put some Darth Vader in there. No. Okay. Don't do that. No, I feel like that would miss... I don't feel like the dark side... No, absolutely not. The disappearing? We, okay. We do see Anakin Yeah. at the end of the... Of, well, whatever the thing Oh, yeah. Was. Return of the Jedi. Return we of do, the Jedi. We do. Uh, which is bizarre, because canonically, to become... A force. Canonically, to become a Force ghost, you have to vanish. You have to disappear. You have to, you have to disappear your existence from reality. See, that was very confusing to a young person watching A New Hope for the first time when you see Alec Guinness... I swear lightsabers vaporized people. Yeah. Because of how that scene plays out. That's the first time you see a lightsaber touch someone. like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, my God. But then, like, Luke's hand gets cut off in the second movie. And I was like, okay, maybe they decided <laughs> to move away. Maybe because my head, I, I rationalized it was a creative decision that it doesn't just vaporize you entirely. It just, it's like, okay, cut his hand off. Yeah. But I seriously thought Vader for the longest time killed just vaporized Obi-Wan. Uh, you know what's funny? Uh, with, with that assumption, I mean, maybe because Luke Skywalker is upset when that happens. He's like, no. Uh, when Obi-Wan dies. Yeah. I feel like if I saw someone get hit with a laser and they just turned into a cloak, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'd be like, is that what these things do? They turn people into cloaks? This is horrible. Who you, would use this? You Give said, me a blaster. You said this was an elegant weapon from another era. I, I'd rather just murder a person than render them into a coat. Terrible. Uh, But yeah, the, that was... Oh. oh boy. Yeah. We never talked about Ray. Yeah. What's there to say? Uh, we never talked about Ray, but interestingly, and this is maybe kind of a bummer, Ray's not a 
huge player in in the last jedi it's not her movie it's not it's it's absolutely and this is a weird thing to say it's luke skywalker movie it's luke skywalker's movie race movie was force awakens yeah that it was largely about her mm-hmm. her and finn to some extent and poe was there for two scenes <laughs> my girlfriend got really mad at the movie for the moment where Poe Dameron and Ray like introduce each other, <laughs> because she's like, they've been in scenes before. <laughs> There's no reason for that to happen. And so yeah. we went back and actually like watched the like wh- where their scenes would happen, and they are on screen at the same time, but they never talked to one another. Hmm. So it's like I guess they were kind of like bigger things are happening. I don't know you. And they never introduced each other. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like there was a decent amount of Poe Dameron. Not as much as I would have liked, because Oscar Isaac is basically my favorite actor. Well, I mean, it's just like Han. Han wasn't in every scene. Yeah. Also, Han wasn't as major of a character as you would be led to believe. Yeah, he wasn't. He was really a third party. Oh. I really want to see this movie again, Henry. You should. It's good. And it's going to be in theaters for a... The next, Ever. Yeah, the next three months, according to the Disney agreement. Uh, well, then I need to go watch it again. You know what's weird? Let's get a rewatch party. We'll do a rewatch party, but you know what's weird? What's weird? The Han Solo movie. Yeah, the one starring Donald Glover. Comes out in four months. Really? Yes. Okay. I, I believe there's a trailer dropping this Friday, which means it'll drop the same day that this drops. But, uh... We haven't seen any marketing material. That's a horrible sign. Yeah, I haven't seen anything at all. And I haven't heard anything since Ron Howard took over the helm to completely reshoot the movie. I hope. I hope it's good. And I hope that my excitement for Rogue One wasn't just excitement over being able to see a a non-mainline Star Wars movie. And I hope that... Number one, I hope Rogue One is actually good. Because I'm still not sure. Number two, I hope that this Han Solo movie is good. Rogue One, I tried to rewatch it recently with my girlfriend and she fell asleep. And normally in that case, I let it keep playing because I'm interested. I turned it off. I... Because that movie has a lot of problems. I had a very similar experience where I started to watch it on Netflix. And I was really hyped because I remembered liking Rogue One in theaters. We did a we did a less than zero slip them all reading about it. You did, uh, and that was very good. And it got me really excited, put me in a Star Wars hole again, which I am currently in again. Well, what are you playing? I'm not playing anything right now. Star Wars Galaxy Heroes on I, the, your phone? I've just been reading a lot about it. Uh, and I'm going to play Knights of the Old Republic on my phone. On your phone with the Star Wars Galaxy Heroes? I gotcha. No, I don't like Gotcha. Oh, well. Fire uh, but Knights of the Old Republic is on your phone. That's the best Star Wars game. Oh, I'm, I like Gotchas. Oh, Gotcha. Um, but but yeah, go back and rewatch Rogue One. Because you can tell it was a different movie at one time. I was trying to watch it. And I got about 30 minutes into it, and I was so excited to start watching it. I'm like, I'm good. I it, could, I'm, I'm going to go watch Black Mirror, I guess. Yeah, it's... It, it, you can tell there are a bunch of pieces slapped together. It was a different movie, entirely. Yeah. Wow, what a bummer. What yeah. a history of failures the Star Wars franchise is. And now they're learned from it, and I think they are learning from it, because they they... they they got the new director before all the footage was filmed this time. Yes. Perfect. Oh, uh, Star Wars is here to stay. We're going to see one movie a year for, from it. I don't Thanks, know if, Disney. 
Yeah, and uh, the 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 ninth one is coming out in May of 2019. Ugh. So, so expect, too soon. Yeah, expect that sooner than you would like it. Yeah. Make it... It's always supposed to be holiday season, man. I, I know, but... Whatever. I, I don't have I don't have any reason. Disney right now, they they load up their their first two quarters with like Marvel movies and stuff. Like the last Marvel movie comes out in the summer, mm-hmm. and then for the rest of the year they do nothing. Let's. Uh, I, I don't know what their business plan is or what their marketing strategy is, but they they load up the first two quarters of every year. Well, I don't think either of us is a successful enough businessman to meaningfully critique the Walt Disney Corporation, but I would like to say. In the the waning light of this supplemental reading, yeah, that uh, we take time to render a final verdict. I, I feel like we should render on the a last final. Jedi. I mean, I feel like I rendered my final verdict at the top, but I will. I, you you have made me see that there are problems with the movie. Not, it's not all great, so I will change my rating of great movie to a good great movie. A good There's no movie. scale. Uh, yes. So, gone are the days of rented by. Gotta have it. Well, and then supplemental reading. We, that's we also. There's been a we we also we uh, overhauled that. Yeah. It, it was like it, love it. Gotta have like more it, love of it. it. Gotta have. You know, here's the thing. What's the thing? We have publicly derided rating scales. They don't make any sense. So let's not joke and and be honest with ourselves. All right, fine. I liked the movie. Is that is that enough for you? <laughs> yes. Uh, if if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, I loved the the Last Jedi. It made me excited for Star Wars in a way that I haven't been uh, maybe ever since I've been alive. Okay. Uh, so before you were alive, you were extremely excited to be born, so you could, so see, I could see Star Wars, Wars. Yes. in the womb. I was like. Vroom. Vroom. Uh, vroom. 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 I, uh, but no, for, for real. I don't remember the last time I was this excited about Star Wars, because when I was, I was a child. Yeah, and I, I will just say this movie is great, and you can read a lot into it, as we just, dis- as I discovered. John came in knowing that this was about intertextuality. I had no idea. So, um, so, so it's, it's got some meat on its bones for the first time a movie can be discussed and sort of, like, what does this mean for society? And uh, I think if you walk away with anything more than that, it's all bonus. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that we always want to keep in mind with our listeners is if you want to share your read on the movie, if you totally don't agree with what we read into about the movie, let us know. Yeah. Get in contact with us through these social media plugs I'm about to do. So if you want to let us know your opinion on the Star Wars universe, The Last Jedi, or Ewok Adventures especially, send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. And if you've got something shorter to say, like a hashtag, I don't know, Ray is Bay, or something like that, I didn't have that prepared beforehand, uh, you can send us a tweet at zcpcwhj.com. That's not what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And of course, John, that stands for... That stands for... That's a B noise. I know, so I need but... to make an H noise. Which, the H noise... Han. Han. <laughs> and J, the J noise is Jedi. Jedi. 
Of course. Uh, if you want to watch us play video games on twitch.tv slash zero credits, you can, because we do that. All right. Right? Yeah, we do that. That's the URL? Uh-huh. All right. Twitch.tv, you said, right? Twitch.tv slash zero credits, you can do that, because we do that. And then, um, hold on, shut up. Don't forget, always rate, subscribe, comment to us on iTunes. <laughs> Quickly falling apart, if you tell one friend about a podcast this year, it better be our podcast, because the year just started, and you gotta do that, because word of mouth is the only way we're gonna grow as a podcast and as people. And most importantly, one in five people has podcasts, so be is, responsible. Is that, a, is that a... One in five people has podcasts, it's a plague. And bear with me, we're on Facebook, just search Zero Credits on Facebook, you'll find us. And that's it. That that's all of them. Star Wars hashtag Raise Bay. Hashtag Raise Bay. Couldn't have said it better myself. Except oh. Kylo Ren is my friend. Hashtag. <laughs> Wait. If we're gonna start a Twitter campaign right now, are you Team Ray or Team Kylo? Hashtag Raise Bay for Team Ray. Hashtag Kylo Ren is my friend for Team Kylo Ren. Yes, this is the one only true metric people can figure out whether people prefer Ray or <laughs> Kylo Ren. All other metrics mean nothing to us. The greatest national conversation finally meets its end. Here on Zero Credits. All right. Here on Zero Credits Twitter. Here on Zero Credits Twitter. So for this supplemental reading, I've been John. And I've been Darth Henry. And from everyone here at uh, Zero Credits Heavy Industries, uh, we would like to wish you May the Force be with you. Oh, I really could have like done like a May the Force thing. <laughs> and also with you. Bye. <laughs>